0: All right, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. I do want to remind you next Saturday is um, our clocks fall forward, so the time changes next weekend, not this weekend. I messed this up with Sunday school a little bit this morning because the uh, bells automatically changed time, uh, and uh, we were one week late. But uh, next Sunday we will fall back with our clocks and have, I pray that you'll come out for our evening service next week on the 5th. Looking forward to a good time of fellowship outside. And bring a blanket and um, a lawn chair. And uh, let's just enjoy some, ta- some singing and uh, time of some testimonies. And then uh, we'll have some s'mores out the back. And so we we'll enjoy that fellowship uh, from about 5 to 7 next Sunday evening. Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're looking at the end of this chapter, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Bid her, therefore, she help me. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, or worried, and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part or good portion which shall not be taken away from her. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Now, as we expound it, I pray that our hearts would be open to the Holy Spirit and would you teach us and convict us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What would it be like if Jesus were to come to your house this afternoon? He would be invited over for lunch. Um... How many of you wives would step out in between the service here to head home, straighten some things up, and uh, maybe, maybe your blood pressure started to go up just by the thought of it, um, the expectation of Jesus coming over for lunch today? Did you know that Jesus came over to um, two families' homes in the Old Testament In in Genesis chapter 18, three guests come to Abraham and come to their tent. And Abraham turns to his wife Sarah and says, the Lord is here. The third person in that group, we know two of them will be angelic beings that are going to be sent to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for Lot. But the one in the middle was called the angel of the Lord. Pretty strong evidence that that would be the pre-incarnate Christ, God. He, In fact, Abraham calls him Lord in that passage. And Sarah makes him a meal and they sit and they fellowship around the tent and uh, even prophesies about a baby that's going to be born in her home. He shows up again in the Old Testament in Judges 13 to a man named Manoah and his wife. And there, during the time of the judges, the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord, he's described as a man, who appears to them and comes to their house and sits in their home with them. The wife offers to make a meal and a sacrifice for him. And he talks to them about the birth of their special child, who will be called Samson. A special occasion. Those are the two occasions that I found in the Old Testament where the Lord came for dinner, came over for supper. Now, we've mentioned in Luke, as we've studied through these ten chapters in the Gospel of Luke, that Luke will give us... Um, some important dinner table discussions of Christ. In fact, there are seven scenes in the gospel where Jesus will be centered and some important stuff happens around the dinner table and in the spirit of hospitality. They show up. Jesus shows up to people's homes on several occasions. In Luke chapter 4, verse 38, He entered into Simon Peter's home. In chapter 5 and verse 19, He was in someone's home teaching and preaching when the roof began to be broken up and they let down a man who was paralyzed. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 29, Levi, Matthew, one of the disciples, created or made a great feast in his own home and there Jesus was found. In chapter 7 and verse 8, the centurion came to Jesus who was coming to his house and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come into my home. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 36, in fact, turn over there, please, just a few chapters before, because I think this plays an important um, uh, context for what we're seeing here at the end of chapter 10. Do you remember Jesus was invited over to a Pharisee's house for a feast and a dinner? And then a woman interrupted the dinner as she showed up and started washing his feet with her hair. This sinner, and, and how she, uh, she, with her tears. And notice what Jesus said in, verse 30, um, in uh, chapter 7, in verse 44. And Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into your house, and you gave me no water for my feet but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You see, it was customary for when a guest would come over and be invited for supper or for a meal is that as soon as they came in, you were to have a basin and a towel and you were to, it was customary, a part of the welcome of the home was to wash their feet as they took their sandals off at the door. And Jesus made mention, you have no water To wash my feet. Look at verse 45. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman since the time that I came in. Hath not ceased to kiss my feet. You see it was customary in the time. When you invited guests to come over. That you would greet them with a kiss. One on one cheek and one on the other. It was customary. It would be like welcoming them into your home. This is my wife, and these are my children, and these are my servants, and here's my neighbor that's come over. It was a a form of greeting to greet them and introduce yourself and, and, and introduce your guests. But this Pharisee did not introduce him. But yet this woman notice the next verse here in verse 46 my head with oil you did not anoint but this woman hath anointed my feet with her ointment see it was also customary that when you invited a special guest over to your house that you would take out a perfume or an ointment and you would you would spray it or pour it on their head or on their clothes so that they smelled good it was a sign it was a gift to them to welcome them into their home. It would be like offering in your house, it would be like offering them the bathroom so they can freshen up, wash their hands before dinner, or freshen up from a long day's journey. It's just a, a spirit of welcome, a spirit of hospitality. These would be things that were normally customary for a host or a hostess to offer someone when they came to your house. Is your basin ready at the front door? Is your guest bathroom open up for the guests to be freshened up? Are you ready for a greeting to greet them and, and encourage the ones to come in? As we move over to chapter 8, you can see that the first few verses introduce Jesus' women's ministry. Ladies who are named here. And the verse that says here, they served him in those verses. Verse 3. They ministered unto him with their substance. Now, I just point that out because probably these women offered their home and their possessions and their things probably made Jesus a meal. So even though it's not directly stated in these verses, I believe it's indirectly stated that these ladies used what they had, their kitchen, their oven, their blankets, their bedding, their food to serve Jesus. So offering their home. In chapter 8 and verse 41, Jairus invited Jesus over to their house. And as he came over, he would heal their daughter. Actually raise her from the grave. And in chapters 9 and 10, do you remember when Jesus commissioned the 12 disciples in chapter 9 and the 70 disciples in chapter 10? He told them, when you go into cities, pronounce a blessing on the homes. Don't go from house to house. Be grateful and satisfied for what your host offers you. Don't be looking for the better home. Pronounce a blessing upon those homes. Be gracious, be kind, and be good guests. And Jesus gave that spirit for his disciples that as they traveled, they were to be good guests when someone showed them hospitality. Now we come to the end of chapter 10, and we are shown a house setting where a meal is being prepared and it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her home can you imagine Jesus standing at your front door pushing your ringtone and looking into the camera and waving and then behind him are twelve fishermen Right? and a few others that kind of, uh, you know, tax collector and a zealot and Judas in the background. What would it be like? Luke is the only one that records this event in all of the Gospels. Yet it's such a famous story. We are familiar with it. Yet it's only recorded in Luke. Now, I believe that Jesus often traveled to this house. I believe it was his stop when he went to Jerusalem. This was the home of the events of John 12 and John 11. In John 11, these two sisters, are, along with their brother Lazarus, are said to be friends whom Jesus loved. But it seems like this event, as recorded in Luke 10, may have been his first time into the home, or at least his first time being offered and staying there. But he will be there frequently in the days ahead. In the context of Luke 10, these are the last few months of Jesus' ministry on earth. Some commentators indicate this is probably around October, during the Feast of Tabernacles, six months before His Passover and His Passion Week. John Phillips actually records that this possibly was one of the trips that Jesus made for the Feast of Dedication in December, which would be Hanukkah during the Christmas time frame, only three months before the Passover In his crucifixion week. But most would include. This is only months before Jesus will go to the cross. He ends up in this little village of Bethany. Outside of Jerusalem. On the east portion of the Mount of Olives. This event is situated in Luke's gospel. Right here after a lengthy discussion on discipleship. 99 verses. And it took us several months to go through them. That's chapter 9 and chapter 10. All of these verses, both of these were commissioning of the twelve and commissioning of the seven. And Jesus goes through a long discussion about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And then he concludes this, me, uh, this teaching on discipleship with a parable, with a question that was asked from a lawyer. And he ends it with the parable of the Good Samaritan. Following story, the Samaritan goes on his way, he puts his life on the line, he cares for this complete stranger, a picture of love in action, authentic faith shown and demonstrated by acts of extreme kindness by a man who was an outcast in the Jewish society, a Samaritan, a filthy Samaritan. Even the lawyer who answers the question when Jesus said, whom is the one who is his neighbor? And the lawyer responds, well, he that showed mercy. He couldn't even say the Samaritan's identity. Luke immediately moves from that story of the good Samaritan to this story of Jesus being entered into the home of Martha. Martha. In the story of the lawyer and the Good Samaritan, Jesus was showing that man was a sinner and actually could not fulfill the demands of the law. He could not love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he definitely couldn't love his neighbor because he didn't even know who he was. And when he found out who he was, his prejudice and pride would not even stoop to accept it. The lawyer looked like he had it all in order, but actually he was just as lost as the next person. Playing a religious game, being a hypocrite. In this event, and I'll just tell you the theme and we'll come to the conclusion first. Jesus is going to show the importance of sitting at the feet of Jesus and not being distracted. I believe this story is here for believers to remind us how easy it is to be busy putting patches on people's knees, giving them your cloak and fixing their meals and making their beds that you miss out on what is most important. Look at verse 42. But one thing is needful. That's an interesting phrase that Jesus uses. But Mary hath chosen the good part. In other words, what Jesus is saying, there is something that is more important than helping the sick, fixing a meal, making the bed, and showing acts of kindness. He's not going to demean them necessarily. He's just showing what is most important and what is good, what is best and what is better. I may say this as well, this chapter seems to show that Jesus as a teacher correcting faulty thinking. In this chapter alone, in the 42 verses, Jesus has been presented with a scenario That the people are thinking wrong and Jesus corrects them as the master teacher. In verse 17, the first story, the 70 return, all excited about casting out demons. And Jesus says, that's great. You can cast out all the demons, but you need to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what's better to be happy about. In verse 25, the lawyer came to Jesus asking a question. What must I do... To inherit eternal life. His thinking was wrong. Jesus corrects his thinking. You can't do anything because you're a sinner. And in verse 38, Martha is busy about much things. But has left what's most important. He corrects her thinking. So, it's important as you think about this. The heart leads the hands. Jesus is going to show in this few verses the priority of listening over serving. The priority. I would set three, uh, well, four uh, points here, and we'll have to work through them quickly as far as an outline. First, we're going to set the scene. Second, we're going to introduce the characters. Third, we're going to see the climax of the story, the frustration and the anger. And then last, we're going to hear from the Savior. First of all, we set the scene. This is in the city of Bethany. Luke doesn't tell us what city it is, but we have to compare the book of John, the gospel of John, to understand that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus lived in the city of Bethany, just two miles outside of Jerusalem, on the east side of the Mount of Olives, towards Jericho. Jesus is passing by on his way. He's traveling, and he shows up at the doorstep of Martha's home. Jesus is traveling on a major journey. He's going to seriously focus upon the cross that is coming closer and closer. Every day that He wakes up, chapter 9 in the Gospel of Luke said, and He set His face towards Jerusalem like a flint, Isaiah said. He's looking to the cross. That's His focus. And while He's going, He stops off to Mary's and Martha's house. John Philip said this, this home seems for Jesus to be a shelter in a time of storm. Jerusalem was the place where the crowds were. Jerusalem is the place where he's going to go to the trials. Jerusalem is the place where he will take the cross. Jerusalem is the place where he will be scourged and suffer, bleed and die. And yet Bethany, just on the other side of the Mount of Olives, there's going to be a home that he's going to find a comfort, a solace, a place of shelter. And I asked you this morning, is your home a shelter from the storms of life? If Jesus comes to your home or were to come to your home this afternoon, would he find it a place of peace and rest? A place where he can be worshipped and he can be served. That was the type of home that Jesus found in Martha and Mary's house. A place where he could find comfort. Notice in the verse here, in this uh, verse uh, 38, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her home. The word here, receives, means to welcome him. What did this involve? What did it mean to welcome someone in your home? That's why I read chapter 7 for you. It meant washing their feet. It meant taking their sandals off. It meant kissing them on the cheek and greeting them to your servants and the friends and the family and to, and to, to hear their names and any strangers that are in the room, let them know who, who they are and, and make sure they feel welcome. It means offering your restroom so that they can freshen up, putting some oil and ointment onto their head and, and on their clothes so it smelled good and the room, room was fresh. It meant making a meal, setting things out, preparing for the meal. In fact, one commentator that indicated that preparing a meal for the guests, such as this occasion, would have t- taken no more that, or no less than three or four hours of preparation time. That would have taken place: both grinding of the grain, making of the of the uh, of the bread and the unleavened, and and fixing all of the things, especially for twelve men. We assume that the disciples were with the Savior at this time. Of all the negative things about Martha in this story that we are familiar with, don't overlook the fact that she received him into her home. Her house was a welcome place for a weary stranger. This is getting into Thanksgiving season. I can imagine we already announced some Thanksgiving activities and Christmas is around the corner. Saw in the game yesterday, they've already got Christmas commercials that are playing. So everybody's mindset is geared towards the holidays now. And you, we had Christmas music being played at the staff retreat this week. And just some people cringed, right? It's just too early, wait! Some of you may have already got your decorations out. You may not have even taken them down from last year. But the holiday season, we're going to come into a time where obviously family and friends are going to be coming over. You're going to be going over to family's houses and these things like that. This is a scene that is very familiar. Now let me move from Martha to Mary in this story. The scripture says that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha's found in the kitchen cumbered about with much serving and Mary is moved over to sitting in the feet of Jesus. So we've gone from a welcoming scene come on in, greet it here let's wash your feet and, and let's make it okay now let's, we're going to head off to the kitchen we're going to set some things up that are ready and in the meantime all of that is going on during that time period Jesus sits down in the living room probably with his disciples and all the other guests and he starts to hold a Bible study. He starts teaching and preaching. And somewhere along the scene, Mary, who would have been included with Martha in receiving the guests, washing the feet, and doing all that, somewhere along the scene, Mary has slipped out and come into the living room and sat down for the Bible study. That's what's happening. That's the scene that moves from the kitchen to serving to Bible study to chaos, right? All of a sudden, things start clanging and banging, and and Martha comes in and out and in, gives a stare, out, okay? you, you, you Just imagine the story a little bit a little bit deeper than what Luke did, does, but don't inspire it. Just look at it. Do any of you know what that scene is like? You've seen this before. You've invited your guest over to your house. You've brought all the preparations. You get the meal and all the setup, and they come in. And then it's time for you know for the prayer, and it's time to sit at the table, and then chaos erupts. The kids run in and spill the milk. Um somebody got hurt and skint their knee outside and now now you're in there patching up a, a knee and, and, and somebody got on to somebody else or somebody said something awkward at the table and all of a sudden and then the food is is burnt, the rolls are burnt, and you bring it out, and and there, and there's all of a sudden what, what intended to be something that was a very warm, welcoming atmosphere has now become very tentious, very, very chaotic. And then it's uptight, and somebody's mad. right? Something so simple, a scene of service turns into a chaotic moment, and who is in the middle, right in the living room? Jesus. Jesus. A typical household scene, but the difference is, Jesus is the guest. Now we introduce the, the scene. Let's see the characters. Now, this doesn't have to necessarily take long, but I think it's important for us to see these three main characters in the story. The first one is Martha. She is described as the one who receives. Into, did you notice Luke said, her home. This is her house, not Mary's, and not Lazarus. The indication is probably she's the oldest of the three siblings. Luke points out, May have indicated that Martha was probably the eldest. Both John and Luke indicate her name first. Her name, Martha, means mistress or master of the house. The lady of the home. She is known as the one who is the servant. The one who serves. She's the initiator. In fact, in John 11, she is the one who goes out to meet Jesus first. She is the one who initiates the conversation and talks to Jesus as Mary is in her room still weeping. And in John chapter 12, when she shows up again, Martha is the one that's listed as the one who serves. In fact, turn over there to the gospel of John chapter number 12. This is just before... Actually, the weekend, probably, of the Passion Week, verse 1 says, And Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha, what? Served. She was the hostess. She was the lead in the service of the food and the meal that was being prepared. A very similar scene to what we see in Luke 10. This lady was a servant. And I want you to know that in this story, Jesus does not rebuke her merely for her service. Hosting people requires a lot of service. Using her home, cooking the meal, washing his feet, anointing his head, making the beds. All of those things must be done if you're going to have someone over. And don't get into the story that Jesus condemns Martha for her serving. Don't think Martha's the bad one, Mary's the good one. Both are good. The issue here is somewhere along the journey of her service, Her attitude changed. And Jesus rebukes her for her attitude and her timing. More on that in just a little bit. You see, different people have different gifts. Different people have different abilities. We're all made differently. And and God knows that. Both Mary and Martha were disciples of Jesus. Mary was was serving in her way, Martha was serving in her way, and the Lord needed them both. If you are a person who loves to serve and do and has a gift of making meals and doing what is needed behind the scenes to get things accomplished, then this is your character in the story, Martha. And praise God for Martha's. Are you a giver? Are you a doer? Are you a servant? I think I can pick on someone today. I told you a few years ago when I first came to the church that our family was getting to know people a little better. And we didn't know all the names of people, especially during COVID when everything was shut down. And my kids were were trying to figure out names we were driving out of the church parking lot one day, and David Hewitt was walking around the side corner of outside doing some things, and one of my girls in the back seat said, "Daddy, that is the man who loves everybody." I said, "Oh, well, well, why do you say that?" She said, "Because he helps everybody. Do you know what children perceive? Children perceive the same thing that Jesus perceived when he told the story of the Good Samaritan. Your actions speak louder than your words. Jed said the other day, Daddy, you're the pastor. Pastor Ben is the pastor for the teenagers. And Mr. David is the worker man. <laughs> Do you show love? Do you have a servant's heart? Are you willing to do the things in the background that nobody sees and doing it not with eye service as men pleasers, but doing it for the Lord? You see, we need servants. We need people who will give and do and serve. So that's Martha. Turn over to uh, or look at Mary. She's called the sister of Martha. There's a lot of Marys in the gospel. We can get confused with them sometimes. This Mary shows up in John 11, locked in her room, weeping over the death of her brother. I see her as a woman who's tender, maybe in tune with her emotions. I mean, there are a lot of emotions that She goes through. But that Mary takes things personal and she's the thinker. She thinks through things before she acts. She comes up in John 12. Turn over to John 12 again, please. As Martha is serving, that's what she's known for and commended for in John 12. But look in verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. She had been planning that. She had been planning this for a time. She's a prominent person in the story because she brings something very expensive, the box of ointment, and pours it over his feet and wipes his feet with her hair Now, this is a different lady than the one we read in Luke chapter 7. Completely different story and different woman. But you notice in the passage that we read in Luke where she is? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. The Greek word kathidzo means to sit down. But the word parakathidzo that is used in Luke means to sit down alongside of as close as you can get to. In other words, when she sat at Jesus' feet, she came in the room, she just didn't sit down like low to the ground. The word Luke uses is she got close to Jesus inside his personal bubble and sat down practically touching his feet sitting right by him. This word is only used in the whole New Testament in this passage right here in Luke 10. She was so close to Jesus that she could feel his breathing. Everyone else was sitting around the room, but Mary was in his personal space. Before we move on, do you notice all three times that we see Mary, we see it in connection to His feet. Turn back one chapter in John 11, where we were yesterday at the funeral. John eleven thirty two. 32. The Bible says, And when Mary was come where Jesus was, and she saw Him, she fell down at His I already showed you and we read the verse in John 12 and verse 3 where she took that pound of ointment and she washed his feet with her hair how close do you have to get to wash someone's feet with your hair don't take me wrong in any way and I mean this in a reverent way Mary was being personal and intimate with Jesus This is the same scene as Luke 7. There's nothing erotic about it. But Mary was as close to Jesus as she could get in a worshipful way. You see, sitting at the feet of Jesus or falling at his feet is a description found by Luke, both in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, as a scene and an act of faith and worship. Anytime someone is doing this, falling at his feet or at the feet of Jesus, it is a sign of ultimate communion and fellowship with the Savior. It happens at least four times in Luke. Two of them are women. That passage in Luke 7. In Luke 8 and verse 35, the demoniac, the one of Gadara... Who has cast out a legion of demons is said to be in his right mind sitting at Jesus' feet. And then in Luke 17, of all a Samaritan, when Jesus heals the ten lepers, only one runs back and falls down at his feet in thanksgiving, in worship. Here in Luke 10, 39, we see Mary not only sitting at the feet of Jesus, but did you notice what Luke points out as well? If you'll look back at the verse in verse 39, which also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard His word. The verb here form, hearing His word, means to absorb. It means to soak in. One translation says this, She was listening to what He was saying. She was hanging on to every word. She was sitting up front, putting all the distractions away and soaking everything in. You know what it is to sit up front? Those of you on the back row, hey, back there. You know what it is to sit up front? I'm convinced in our Baptist churches, you will always have a back row. If there were 20 people in here in a 500-seat auditorium, 18 of them would be on the back row. All right? That's just, just part of it. When my wife was training our kids to sit in church years back, and it's still process. It's harder in this church. Do you know where she sat? On the front row. Do you know Why? Because with toddlers and little children, if you sit on the back row, there's too many distractions. <laughs> That's right, Ken. You sit on the front row, you can keep their heads straight. Yes, that means all eyes are looking at you and the squirming of the little one. But it's easier to keep their attention and, and from, from looking around the auditorium and seeing When you're a student, and you're sitting on the back row in your class, it's going to be harder to hear, harder to see, harder to pay attention. Someone comes in and comes out and comes in and out, and and eyes that change, and that happens. But if you're sitting on the front row, which is where I sat in my classes, because I didn't need any help in distraction. I needed to focus on my classes. That's where you find Mary, sitting on the front row, soaking in every drop, sitting close to his feet, fellowshipping with him, drawing nigh to him as he was drawing nigh to her. I tell you, as an application this morning to sit at the feet of Jesus is the sweetest thing that could ever happen in your life. In fact, listening to the words of Jesus and absorbing every word is the most important response that any person could ever have towards Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, when it comes to following and worshiping Christ, the emphasis is on those who hear His word and obey it. Jesus said this, My sheep, hear my voice, and they follow me. If you read through all of Luke and all of Acts, you will find that every single disciple, a characteristic, the key characteristic to discipleship is hearing and obeying his every word. If you get bored hearing and reading the Bible, then there is something wrong with you. If you don't have a desire to read His Word and to hear His Word, and you would rather do something else in your day, and if Sunday comes along and you'd rather be somewhere else than listening and worshiping at Jesus' feet, then God does not have your heart like He should. Have you sat at His feet this week? Do you have time to take out of your day and hear his word? Is worshiping Jesus your first priority? If you don't enjoy your Bible reading, you don't enjoy coming to church, you don't enjoy opening the scripture and hearing preaching, then I want to challenge you in your discipleship, you've lost your heart get it back like Mary did and sit at the feet on the front row (laughs) and absorb every word that proceeds out of his mouth because it is our daily bread. Now, um, it's already time. (laughs) And I haven't even worked into Martha. Martha. I've got four more pages. (laughs) I I think it would be enough to end right there and to ask the Lord in your own heart, Lord, do I long to sit at your feet? Do I long and soak in every word? Is my most important time this week pulling out my Bible on the way to work or on the way home from work, or I can't wait till Sunday morning or till Sunday school or Wednesday night or Sunday night when I can sit and just for 45 minutes or 50 minutes open my Bible and soak in your word because it is my source of life. Father, I pray as we close this morning. Lord, my heart is so heavy this week with these two women. The best of of what is offered from these women. And yet there is is a contentious point that comes. There's a climax of frustration. And Jesus has to address that. But Lord, for all of us, whether we're a Mary or a Martha. uh, Lord, as we look about our week this week. Uh, Lord, would our first priority, would the most important thing we do this week be getting alone with you and sitting at your feet? Bless us this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, the instrumentalists are going to play in just a moment. Maybe this morning your heart's been convicted about the fact that you've not enjoyed your worship time this week maybe you looked at coming to church today as a as a duty and just wasn't it wasn't the joy that you thought that it was going to be or that you were your 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 anticipation and yet this morning the lord has convicted your heart go right now in this time of prayer and ask the lord to teach you to calm your spirit and give you patience to sit at his feet and hear his words and then commit in a practical way this week that you're going to set aside some time to open the scriptures yourself and just read and pray and that's going to be a priority. Maybe you need to turn on Um, a podcast of some preaching, maybe to re-listen to this message this morning or some in the past that you've missed and get back into soaking in the Word of God regularly. It'll help you in your day. And I know from what Jesus will tell Martha, it'll help you from getting out of whack. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand please as the instrumentalists play just the time of prayer this morning. Just getting our eyes back on Jesus. That's that's what we're designed to do as we come together as a church to refocus our attention back to where it needs to be. It's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to lose our heart. we can get too busy for our relationship with Christ I'm going to ask that she play through one more time will not fail us he promised everything that he said it'll it'll come to pass Maybe you'd say this morning the Lord has spoken to your heart and just raising your hand, I'd like to pray and to conclude our invitation. You'd say the Lord spoke to my heart this morning, Pastor. Would you pray for me? How many would raise your hand and say the Lord spoke to my heart? Thank you, several, several. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we'd love to introduce to you Jesus who loves you, cares for you, and gave his life for you. We can talk to you about more after the service. Father, thank you for the time tonight and this morning that we have shared at your feet and before your word. Give us grace and safety, if you tarry your coming, that we would come back this evening and gather around the table again and contemplate and fellowship and remember and worship. Thank you for your word, and Lord, would we, this week, be more purposeful in our personal time with you. We would have a a better spark in our step when it comes time to coming before your word. Would we long for it? Would we be disciples that are, are constantly growing and learning at the feet of our Savior? In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.